were two distinct ways to wear gold robes. Atalanta sighted as she stepped from the dais in the Eld Palace throne room and shuffled to the talent chamber. The first involved ironing and starching and some sort of tree-based spray she didn't understand, but that made her hungry every time she smelled it. So that was out. Type 2 had approximately three variations, which were iterations of tossing said robe on the floor in a heap and hoping the worst of the wrinkles ended up near the hem. The variations where you tied your sash, or if your girlfriend let you get away with not wearing one at all. Today, Emin had slept in. Which was fair. They had a long night that had started with trying to hang an antique earth light fixture from the ceiling, and ended up with the cord rather firmly around Emin's wrist. Atalant still wasn't entirely certain how it had gotten there, but by the time she had noticed, she had other things on her mind. The point was that, today, Atalant had managed to escape their shared chambers in the Eld Palace without critical inspection, which meant she wore a crumpled and slightly stained gold robe, no sash, and her strawberry blonde hair was in the kind of braid even the former captain of the Mercy's Pledge, Jordan Kuberich, would not have tolerated. Her copper skin was smudged with dirt, and she was certain there was a hickey near her collarbone. She felt great. Which was why she was now standing in the middle of the talent chamber of the Eld Palace. Her palace. Right beside her throne while Eld Ekement and Eld Eric babbled about immigration, attempting to listen. Normally she had begged off, or found some other god-level crisis that needed attention. Today she felt prepared to tackle mundane bullshit. Today was going to be a very good day. When she got out of this meeting. In the five years since the whole flare debacle, Argelum had settled into a nice, quiet solar system with life no more complex than a few thousand species of bacteria. No fungi, even. Thank Andal. She and the other two leaders of Argelum had done a lot of traveling, and apologizing, and attempting to repair broken ecosystems. But what everyone seemed to want, turned out, was access to Argelum proper. Eric has suggested they remove the law about only Argelins being able to purchase land on the planet. And since then, well, boom. Everyone and their eight-fingered uncle wanted a piece of the mystical traveling planet. All I'm saying is we need limits. We can't get housing up fast enough. And Argelim can only grow trees so fast. Ekamit rubbed at Zer temples as Z slouched onto Zer throne. How many noogles did you say just filed? Argelim wasn't designed for spherical species. Their anatomy is too different from our own. 38. But we have plenty of space in Noogle Villa. Only. Eric paused, tucked a lock of black hair behind his ear, then tapped on the thin bioplastic in his hand. Only seven live in the residential sphere we built for them on the capital outskirts. Nicholas filed for Noogle Villa to be recognized as his own city. We have to vote on that sometime soon. What do you think, Eld Atalant? Huh? Atalant shrugged out of a daydream that involved increasingly creative uses of the light fixture cord. Um Nuga Villa? Eric repeated, sounding exasperated. City or not? Sure. I like cities. Can I ask you two a question? Ekamet raised an eyebrow, but Eric put his bioplastic sheet on the armrest of his throne and crossed his arms. Yeah. What's going on? How do you all do ceremonies here? You know, familial binding ceremonies? Eric and Ekamet exchanged a long, heavy look. You haven't bound yourself to Emin yet? Ekamet asked, incredulous. Even talked about it? Atalant felt warmth rise in her cheeks. Well, I mean, we've talked about it, but, you know. She shrugged. There were mm, noogles, then reparations, then that vacation with Jordan, Nicholas, and Salas, where we found that other seeded world refuge, and we've been fixing that mess for the last three years, and now we have all these immigrants, and yeah, where's the time? Atalant. Eric began. Argelins do not have very long lifespans, even the Eld. You may be a subspecies, but Emin is Argelin through and through. If you two are even thinking about reproducing, you'll need a third gender gato. And a license, at the very least. That'll go a lot smoother if you show a history of commitment. Emin's only 26, Atalant argued. She has plenty of time. 
She's four years from her third dawn, and our gestation periods are twice the length of a neek's. We generally only reproduce during our second dawn. Ekamen's eyes narrowed. You'd better get on this. Do you at least have a gato in mind? Have you been dating? No. Atalant took a step back and shoved her hands into her pockets. I have feelings about the whole third-party issue. Have you even talked about it? Eric asked. They'd talked, yes. Had the one gatoy, Atalant might consider. August, to dinner the last time Zed brought a group of delegates from Ritora Nunnun. They had ended with some passable, decent conversation on the floor of Atalant and Emin's apartment, and maybe a little light flirting. But everything with Emin felt too new, too fragile. August had invited them to Zur Orbital Station three times since, but Atalant had always declined, though Emin had been game to go. Atalant didn't want to share this. She didn't want to share Emin. We don't technically need a gato, Atalant muttered. We can use the medical center. Argelin science stopped needing a third party for same-sex reproduction over a hundred years ago. Yes, and the gato deeply loved being superfluous. Ekamet frowned at her. You're an eld, Atalant. The eld of Argelum take two partners when they commit. A three-person family is an ideal. The goal. The eld must be an example. Yeah, well, I'm a neek and I don't like the rules. Her daydream evaporated. I'm going to start with the basics. One woman, one promise. Maybe a few candles. She grabbed the biofilm from Eric's throne, rolled it, and shoved it in her back pocket. I'll look this over in my apartment. Calm me if something explodes. She stalked from the talent chamber, past the tapestries of Argelin's seating events, which normally put her in a very good mood, and stopped up the nearest staircase. What she needed was some well-seasoned Andel shoots, clothes that had been washed sometime in the last week, and a really spectacular gift. Adelant flopped, face down, onto her sleeping pad. It was a bad idea. The Eld Palace was all about tradition, and tradition was all about itchy, woven bark mats with very little padding. Nicholas had built them a wide version of an earth bed, and Jordan had cobbled together something called a mattress which was a cloth bag covered with teeth of fur. And it was marginally softer, but it was lumpy, and Adelant always felt a little uncomfortable doing anything intimate with Emin on a structure that creaked when they moved. Long day? Emin called from the kitchen, which held the solar stove in their dining table. Uh Adelant puffed into the bark. She heard Emin walk into the bedroom, the sound of her bare feet on the polished andal heartwood both soothing and nerve-wracking. Emin had vacated the Eld advisor position last year, in favor of spending more time in the palace archives. But she always seemed to be around when Antelant was in need of support. Telepathy was partly to blame for that, but the other part had to be just... magic. Or something. Emin knelt next to her, and long, delicate fingers stroked the back of Antelant's neck. Back rub? She asked the word tickling Atalant's mind and mingling with the whispers of the live Andel trees. Yes! Atalant groaned. She stretched her arms up and turned her face to Emin. Emin's black hair still held the barest hints of red, and she'd not grown it out since her flare identity crisis during the um Nugal War. Her skin looked healthier than Atalant had ever seen it. Still a pale, near-translucent white, but the black geometric markings that ran across her skin were growing thicker, the lines now prominently raised. When they'd first met, she looked like a young, tattooed Terran child. Now she was clearly an Argelin, clearly a second dawn, clearly an independent woman who didn't put up with the muddy gold robes on the floor and knew exactly how back rubs should be administered. Atalant sat up long enough to peel off her robe, the fabric heavy with the natural stuck secretion of her people. Emin tugged her cotton shirt overhead and laid it across the bark mat, then gently pushed Atalant's shoulder until she was back on her stomach, breast uncomfortably mashed into bark. Atalant didn't think about the bark very long. Emin's hand traced her muscle groups, fingers alternately stroking and rubbing, busy unwinding a day's tension, 
When Emin's thumbs pressed into the base of her spine, Aslant groaned and turned to her side, capturing one of Emin's hands on hers. Hey, uh, Emin? Aslant began. Her body felt flush and her stuck thinned. Maybe she didn't need anything fancy. Maybe a moment like this, she was naked after all, was enough to make her case. I was wondering if you... Eld Atalant. Ekamen's voice cut through her head, decimating every ounce of arousal and romance with it. We just had another immigration request come through. Or what looks like an immigration request. The ship just has a repeating message and no one is answering the comm. Poor control is overloaded, and Eric went to Thanon to help a group of Terrans with a boating problem. They want houseboats. Boats. As houses. A snort rumbled through Zare mind. Only Terrans. Atalant? Emmons voice joined Ekamets, and Atalant immediately felt a headache forming at the base of her skull. Hold on just a minute, Emmons. She kissed Emmons' palm, sat up, and scooted until her back was against the wall. Why can't you go? Ekamets' tone dripped exasperation. Because I am a gato, and by El Dictate we aren't allowed to make first contact with ships. They have to sit in quarantine for at least a week, and the passengers have to prove full vaccination. That's... Ridiculous. I don't need a lecture on it. But I can't go. Atalant growled. You're an eld now. Change the law. It would take all three of us voting in a full council meeting. Eric is already on his way to Thanon. We have telepathy. Atalant smacked her hand into her forehead and ground her palm down. Emin came, sat next to her, and took Atalant's hand in hers, kissing the knuckles. Atalant, would you please just go? We can change laws tomorrow. Fine! Atalant yelled the words, both out loud and in her mind. Emin flinched and Atalant turned, apologetic. Just eld stuff, as always. I have to go. She didn't like the way Emin's lips pursed to the side or the crease between her eyebrows. How soon will you be back? If not for a while, I'll head back to the archive. I'm about to finish my work on the seeding chronology of Rithornanan. Her face brightened. Did you know that you can read Argelum's history in the rings of the Andal trees, too? Nicholas has been helping me prepare some slabs from fallen Andal. There's a grove in Thanon that needs to be taken down because they've started producing fruit. Emmon's eyebrow raised and she leaned in. That's not normal, by the way. Argelin Andale trees don't fruit in any form. It's very weird. You should probably check it out at some point. Atalant blew a strand of hair tickling her nose. Okay, wait. One thing at a time. Fruit is low on my priority list. Will I be back tonight? Probably not. I'll see you in the morning, but... She lifted her shirt, yanking it on roughly, and turned her nose up at her robe. It was sticky with stuck. It was dirty at the hem from the mud outside the palace she had to walk through to inspect the new botanical garden Salas was installing outside the palace. It smelled like sweat. The robe was toast. The fruit sounds like an issue that should be brought to the council, not just me. She stood, picked the robe up, and tossed it into the sonic washer. I thought I just did, but I don't think it's a huge issue. I've been to the grove. Only you would need to come. You want me to get another one? Robe, I mean. Emin asked. She stood, too, and clasped her hands behind her back, the long sleeves of her rayon shirt falling below her wrist. Her pants were a slate purple, thick and baggy, and Atalant really wanted to tug them off and bury her face in something besides politics and immigration. Her stomach rumbled, a distant reminder that no one ate much fruit on Argelum, and that she really missed the whole concept. Nah. I'll have them print me a cheap one when I get there. No sense in sweating the whole way. Okay. Atalant? Emin trailed off, her eyes suddenly very intent. Atalant couldn't help the smile as her body went into full alert. Her stuck turned silky. Emin? What do you think? About Andel change. Maybe about tree rings? Atalant canted her head to the left. That was not the question or suggestion she had been expecting at all. Uh, useful for dendrochronology? Emin nodded, but her eyes remained intense, her hands clasped. 
Adeline swore the air around her sparked. If you get some time, would you please go to the grove and take a look? It would make my work a lot easier. I could meet you there. She stepped in close. Atalan took a deep breath, inhaling the nutty, bark smell of Emmons' Andel soap. Emmons' hand wrapped around her waist. The other buried itself in her braid. Please, Antalant, Emmon whispered. She brought her mouth just shy of Antalant's, and her breath was soft and wet across Antalant's lips. Definitely. Antalant managed to gasp a word right before Emmon kissed her. And they'll help her. Why did she get so caught up in politics? Hadn't they fought one, no, several wars? Just for the opportunity to do exactly this? Emmon's lips were so soft, but her hand on the back of Antalan's head was demanding, pulling Antalan to her. Emmon's lips parted and Antalan's tongue darted in, salvaging some control of the situation. Emmon giggled and the hand on Antalan's waist danced lower, cupping her ass. Atalant covered Emmon's hand with her own, stuck smooth and light, and placed it firmly in the hollow of her hip bone before releasing. Then, in a very deliberate, very broadcasted move, because if Emmon was giggling, there had to be a rebuttal. Atalant pushed both her hands under Emmon's long shirt and cupped her breast. Emmon's gas got swallowed as they melted into each other. Atalant's tongue traced Emmon's jawline, and Emmon whimpered when stuck-coated fingers found her nipples. Atalant stroked and gently pinched, fueled by the taste of Emmon's skin and the pressure on her hip bones. The grove! Emmon squeaked when Atalant nipped at the soft skin of her neck. Atalant pulled her hand slowly from Emmon's shirt and backed away. I just want it noted for the record that I am not the one ending this perfectly wonderful makeout session. She smirked, noting the bright red blush on Emmon's cheeks. Sure that hers looked much the same despite her darker skin. I have a meeting with Nicholas soon, Emmons said. But maybe we could meet at the Grove for lunch? Take a look together? It had been far too long since they'd snuck away to the forest and been alone. Well, alone without clothes. Antalant's grin consumed her face as she brushed her fingertips on her pants, wiping away the quickly congealing stuck. That sounds like a great lunch idea, sweetheart. I'll see you there. But what are they? Atalant stood on the triangular landing pad at the exact port her ship, the Scarlet Lucidity, had arrived at some six years ago, back when Argelum had been a dream-turned-nightmare-turned-horrible-reality, back when she hadn't been able to even kiss Emin without an existential crisis, back before she'd become a god. She felt very ungodlike now, in the stained flight suit she had chosen over her robes, because gods could make their own wardrobe choices, while hundreds of... Things sat around her, looking dazed. They were grayish, mostly, with long black noses, beady eyes, and ears that looked like they belonged on a child's toy. Their claws looked like those of a keft. Black, curved, deadly. She simultaneously wanted to pick one up and cuddle it, and shoot them all before they mutated. Fourth shipment we've gotten in the last month, the port operator said. They keep coming in like this, on terrain shuttles on autopilot, with only a recorded message for explanation. We tried four times to contact Earth and Mars, and no one wants to admit it's their screw-up. He stood well away from the shuttle the things had come in on. It's shaped too close to the Mercy's Pledge, Burren-style for Atalant's liking. He too wore a stained flight suit in muted green. His hair was a wispy orange the color of an autumn sunset on Meek his skin a deep umber brown. Atalant couldn't make out his talent markings, but suspected mind, since they tended to be involved in flying-related situations. As an eld, she got two talents, mind and aggression. As a neek subspecies, she should have none. Fate was fucking ridiculous sometimes. What did you do with the others? What did you do with the others? She asked. The closest creature looked up at her. Round little eyes looking drugged and sleepy. So, that. The man looked at the ground and hunched his shoulders. We've been trying to get an eld on this since the first ship arrived. We had nowhere to put them, and our quarantine facilities just aren't equipped. They came with their own trees. He pointed inside the shuttle, where Atalanta could see eucalyptus and giant pots. 
all tipped over on their side, the soil scattered across the floor. She knew they were eucalyptus trees because Jordan and Nicholas had given her a tree identification guide from Earth on her last birthday as a joke. But there were a lot of ceremonies and a lot of council meetings, and learning the difference between sugar maple and red maple was a lot more entertaining than what design they should manufacture for this year's synthetic stuck storage. So the joke was on them. Where did you put them? Atalant prodded. Nowhere. That's the thing. They're called koalas, and they're all cute and cuddly when they're eating their tree leaves. But sober them up and they get mean. We didn't know that, of course. We just sort of rounded them up and had them piled in the west shed. They got out. They climbed trees. Argulum is mostly trees. You can see how the issue started. The man continued to look sheepish. He stood near Atalant, a grimace on his face, his neck and head hunching further. If he went much lower, he'd be in danger of impersonating an umnugal. They're in our forest? Atalant spun and scanned the canopy. The small town with the import posts housed only a few thousand Argelins. Well, Argelins and now recent settlers. The Andale Forest were never far from any Argelin town. But here the trees started, thick-stemmed and densely packed, not fifty meters from the edge of the landing pad. Atalant searched the closest one, from its navi roots to its curly, bark-leaking latex, to its branches curling slightly upwards. In those branches she saw grave tufts, cute little ears, stumpy tails. The koalas were busy defoliating the tree, ripping the andel leaves off and shoving them into their mouths. Atalant would have expected to hear the trees complaining about this. She was their conduit, more or less. It wasn't like they had ever failed to give her a piece of their collective mind when there had been too much rain, or a minaren brought in an invasive beetle, or that one time when Nicholas had thought to tap them for something called maple syrup, and half the fucking Andel on the planet had called for his immediate banishment. She reached out and mentally poked the nearest tree. It had at least four koalas in it, and that was just those visible on the lower branches. Are they bothering you? In that exact moment, in the most ridiculously unbelievable set of actions Atalant had ever seen from a tree, and she had seen a lot, four white flowers, each with eight heart-shaped petals, blossomed on the very tip of the lowest branch. Eric, Atalant sent. She took a step back, landing on a koala paw, then had to hop out of the way when it lazily swiped at her ankle. Eric! She broadcast too loudly. Atalant? Imna responded. Are you all right? Eric answered next. Eld Atalant? What's wrong? Then at least a hundred Andale trees sent pinpricks of consciousness into the back of her brain, making her see black spots. I just need to speak to Eric. If everyone else could hold on a minute. In the time it took Atalant to answer, three more trees produced the exact same number and type of flowers all on their lower branches. A koala from the first Andale tree patted the flowers, swung-slash-hopped to the next one, patted those flowers, and continued on. Emin pulled back from the mental connection, but the trees and Eric stayed firmly in her head. We have a koala problem, Atalant said. It was really hard not to laugh at how ridiculous that boast sounded and looked, especially while half the local forest listened in. Invasive species got out, we need a mechanism of control. Can you ask the trees how badly they've been? The petals fell from the flowers and the whole aperture swelled. It took Atalant several blinks before Emmon's words came back to her head and she realized what she was seeing. Fruit. The Andel trees were fruiting. Just like Emmon had said. The Andel aren't talking to me right now, Eld Atalant. Eric returned, his voice thick with worry. They seem... Very preoccupied. Have you thought of asking Argelim itself? You're the only one the planet talks to. The situation was weird, but it didn't feel like a wake a sentient planet and ask it for advice. Level weird. Emin had said the fruit were a problem, so maybe that problem had just spread beyond Thanon. Though she'd never mentioned koalas. Or are the Andel maybe just taking care of it themselves? 
Atalant asked. Maybe the fruit are for the koalas so they stop eating the leaves? You're assuming the fruit is edible by these koalas? You're assuming the fruit is edible by these koalas. Have you picked any? Solid point. Atalant hopped between the scattered koalas, who were quickly becoming more alert. Five took swats at her boots, and a six very nearly snarled at her. When she got to the nearest tree, she reached up, hoping to swat down the golden fruit ball that dangled just out of reach. The tree shook its branch, and the fruit dropped into her hand. She almost didn't catch it. The thing was roughly the size of her head, perfectly circular, with just a pock the size of her thumbnail, where the stem had detached. It was the gold of sunrise, the kind that had hints of orange and pink in it. The outside felt tough, almost woody. So Azalan took a small pocket knife from her boot and dug into the skin, sawing the thing in half. She really shouldn't have been as shocked as she was when inside, instead of, well, fruit. There was some light, pulpy mass smelling vaguely of oil, and a ring. A ring. Made by a tree. A tree ring. Atalant didn't laugh, but she did groan as she separated the band from the rind and then wiped the juice off of her flight suit. The wood was the same color as Andel Hartwood, a brown so deep it was almost black, the grain wavy and distinct. It was about the size of her palm, the edges curled ever so slightly down, the inside smooth. Atalant had absolutely no idea what she was supposed to do with it. I'm heading to the grove now, Atalant, Emin said, breaking back into Atalant's mind. Meet you there in a bit? Atalant said an abrupt affirmative, then returned to the massive fruit and koala problem before her. She could deal with the fruit problem here, and the animals, then go to Thanon, and... Do you think it's a collar? The Port Authority man stepped up next to her, then pointed to the swell of ripening fruit above them. That's, uh, a lot of fruit. We have at least a thousand koalas on Argelum at this point. Maybe the trees have solved the issue? We collar them and then leash them? Use them as pets? One of the fruits fell just to his left. It split upon impact, halved itself, and another identical ring poked from the flesh. How far have they spread? Atalant asked. She ran sticky fingers over the wood in her hand, listening for the low thrum of voice that all Andel wood products emitted. It was there, distinct, if a little muted. Within a month, probably across the continent. It's a small continent, and it's mostly unbroken forest. A weight dropped in the pit of Atalant's stomach. Do you think they've made it to Thanon? Immen, Atalant sent. Any unusual furry things in the trees out there? Immen didn't respond. Atalant panicked. Not rationally, of course, because a rational being would note that Immen could bring people back from the dead. They move planets and all kinds of outrageous and possible things, so a koala animal was not a concern. Atalant, however, chose to ignore the rational part of her brain because... Immen. The man's face moved from gloomy to thoughtful. Well, that's clear on the other coast, but yes, I suppose it's possible they made it that far. And what are they like when they're not high on eucalyptus? Scratch your eyes out, the man returned. He hauled up his right sleeve and showed her three long, angry red lines that stretched from wrist to elbow. Almost bled out before a healer got here. And that was just one of them, on the first shipment. And it was still half asleep. I have to go, Atalant said. She thrust the ring at the man and took off running, dodging mobile koalas as she went. What am I supposed to do, Eld? The man called after her. Call her them if you can! She yelled back, though she had no clue how he would fit the collars over their heads. I have to go! Emin is... She felt silly saying in danger, but if you couldn't protect your girlfriend from a rabid koala, really, what good were you as a partner? I just have to go. Come in tomorrow and we can pick this up then. Antelant did not, as a rule, enjoy the forests of Argelum. They were everything that was wrong with the forests of her home world except thriving instead of dying. Monoculture. The same damn genus everywhere. Occasionally broken up by a few liana. And far too often, harboring vicious ants. Yes, the planet was alive, and yes, the trees connected to the planet, and they were all sentient and whatever. 
Monocultures were stupid. Argelin forestry practices were archaic. And Antlant just really didn't like ants. And now, now they had koalas. And fruit. Fuck. She took the lucidity back from the town, whose name she could never remember. Flew directly over the capital without bothering to swipe out for an official flyer, because she did not have time for bureaucratic bullshit, and landed in the town square of Thanon, a medium-sized fishing village. At least it had been a small fishing village before the last move, but renegade Argelin mutants called Flares had stirred up the populace, and after they'd gotten that under control, it had become a favorite settled destination for the Quins of Prodac, who were blobs of gelatinous zooplankton. Hence, you never knew whether the puddle on the road was rain, tide, or a quin. Hence, Atlant hopped slash jogged out of the square, past clusters of curious argelins, two umnoogles, a yishin, and seventeen suspicious-looking puddles. Once she made it past the market and into the old argelin residential area, she broke into a run and stopped looking at the ground. Emin! She yelled, not for the first time. Talk to me, sweetheart! A mild, exasperated voice responded. Atalant, you don't need to rush. You're going to fall and crack your head and then the Andal of Argelum will be very upset. The fruits have nothing to do with the koala infestation, I told you. But how do you know? Atalant slowed as the ground became steeper and the wood pavement more splintered. She needed to climb this hill to the very top of the settlement before she'd permit herself a breather. She was already sucking in air that burned her lungs. You sure you haven't seen any koalas? No, Atalant. There are no ferocious tiny Terran animals currently attacking the gazebo. They're probably in the trees. Did you look at the canopy? Atalant didn't know what the emotional imprint of an eye roll was, but she was pretty certain Emin had just sent her one. She crested the top of the hill, houses behind her, and ran along the ravine perimeter, searching the ground. I'm almost there, Atalant said. Just found the rope ladder down to the ravine. Why this is still here when we don't imprison flares anymore, therefore have no need of a secret flare rendezvous point, I don't understand. This time the tone was chiding. There's a history there, Atalant, that shouldn't be forgotten. Atalant's boots slipped on one of the woven rungs and she scrambled, fingers digging into the liana that made up the ladder, stuck mercifully turning tacky enough for a decent grip. Solid point she murmured as she found her footing. She slowed after that, trying to tell her heart to stop hammering. Emin wasn't in imminent danger because Atalant would know. And if she didn't know, then Argelin would definitely tell her. Because the planet knew very well the only reason she accepted this damn god leadership role was because Emin wanted to stay on her home world. She reached the end and hopped down into a thick flush of waist-high red ferns. Ugh. She breathed and kicked at the ferns as she stomped forwards. Five minutes. She was five minutes away, max, from getting Emin out of this whole mess. What was the use of being a god if you couldn't be a bit overprotective of your girlfriend? Except the undergrowth had grown thick onto the path that had once been routinely worn down by flare escapees. No one came to the hidden gazebo anymore, it seemed, now that the flares weren't sequestered from society. The area was pretty in that leafy, damp way that new undergrowth was, and the height of the ferns forced her to slow into more of a trot. It'd be a nice place for a picnic, a nice place for a binding ceremony, steeped as it was in history and hope. Atalant made a mental note to remember the patchy canopy and the faint, sweet smell of Andel sap. If she was going to propose anything to Emin, this would be a good spot to do it. She had no idea how Argelin's proposed, however. She'd have to find a way to look in the archives without Emin knowing. Or she could ask Eric or Ekement, but she really didn't need more ribbing about Gato partners. Hey! Emin appeared from absolutely nowhere, starting Atalant out of her half-daydream. She almost ran into the younger woman, but managed to stop herself by skidding on wet, broken fawns. She almost ran into the younger woman, but managed to stop herself by skidding on wet, broken fronds and landing on her backside. Hey, Atalant returned, her voice tighter than she intended. She stood, rubbing her backside, noting the wet patch near her tailbone. Emin, I asked you to stay in the... 
Immen was in a dress. No, not just a dress, but the gray, strapped dress with the flare at the hip that she had worn the first time they'd really talked, after her metamorphosis into second dawn. In the bright light of morning, Angela could see the red highlights that persisted in her short black hair, the subtle glint of silver thread in the bottom hem of her dress. She was barefoot, as was fashionable in the charted systems, where Neek was from, but not in the Alliance, where Argelum had last been stationed. I, um... Adzalite looked down at her stained and rumpled flight suit. She smelled vaguely of oil and sweat. Uh, I wasn't aware there was a dress code. For rescuing and picnicking. Rescuing? Emin laughed. Oh, Atlant, what did you think I need rescuing from? Uh... Atlant pointed up. Trees had not filled in over the path, and the nearest mature Andel was at least twenty meters away. There's... uh... in the trees. Emin smiled at her, in that sweet, near-mischievous way that meant Atlant was either in trouble, or they were about to get naked. Sometimes both. I will survive the koala infestation. Would you come to the gazebo, please? I have a sweetened Andel. She offered Atalant her hand. Atalant took it, admiring, not for the first time, the black veins that circled Immen's fingers, the pentagon on her palm, all flare markings, and all so uniquely Immen. They walked to the gazebo in silence, Immen occasionally looking back over her shoulder, grinning, biting her lower lip. In the distance, Atalan could hear Andel leaves rustling, but was startled when she saw trees forming flowers, the petals dropping, and fat, round fruit swelling in the sunlight. There were a lot of petals on the ground, now that she thought to look. White, yellow, orange, and a few red, but all the same shape. That didn't make sense, because there were no Andel trees above them, and the wind barely ruffled her hair. Emin, what? They reached the gazebo and Atalant lost her words. It was still an Andel wood structure, round, made from hand-hewn boards, with a latticed roof that had a big circular hole in the center of it. Andel trees still partially shaded the gazebo, but flower petals, Andel flower petals, covered the floor. There had been petals in Nalene, Neek, when she'd arrived home after her exile. The air had been heavy with perfume then, two of trillium flowers. Atalant took a long, deep breath. She'd forgotten to breathe, it felt like, for an eternity. Emin's hand squeezed hers, and Atalant turned, conscious that her mouth was slightly agape, and that she didn't have a single coherent thought. Some more Argelin touches, too, Emin said and pointed. Andelfruit had been very deliberately placed in a circle in the middle of the gazebo, just big enough for two people to stand in. Fruit also circled the gazebo as a whole, and the air carried a heavy perfume. The koalas. Atalant managed to stutter. Ridiculous. And the fruit. Did you know? Emin said as she let go of Atalant's hand and stepped into the gazebo. Her half-smile turned into a smirk worthy of Nicholas. That while modern Argelins hand-carve the ceremonial wooden bracelets that the adults in a family wear, traditionally... Argelin provides them, through the Andal. Bracelets. Atalant went into full-blown panic mode, her stuck thinning and forming droplets on her fingertips. How big had the rings been when they'd pulled from the fruit at the landing pad? Too small to go over koala head, but looked like they might fit around the neck or over the hand of a grown adult Argelin. But there were thousands of fruits, which meant there were thousands of bracelets. How, uh, how many people were you planning to have in this family? <laughs> Atalant asked, forcing a chuckle. Panic continued to bloom inside her. Shit. She could barely conceptualize adding a gato. Much, much later in their lives. She didn't have to, say, bond with all of Argelum, did she? Oh, Andel, help her. If there was some eld requirement that she had to take on an entire planet's population, she was ready to hang up her golden robe right now. Emin definitely rolled her eyes this time. Oh, Atalant. 
Again, she offered her hand, and again, Atalan took it, stepping into the gazebo. Here, the fruit smell was all-encompassing, and sweeter somehow, intermingled with the smell from the petals. Really, it just made the panic that much worse. Emin led her to the circle and stepped in. Atalant followed. Emin reached down and picked up one of the fruits, expertly tore it in two halves, with absolutely no juice running, which was a miracle of eld-like proportions, and removed the wooden bracelet inside. The andel was a little out of practice, turns out. Emin took a square of cloth from one of her dress pockets and rubbed it over the bracelet, clearing away the juice. Fuck. Atalant loved her in that dress. Loved the way it clung to her hips and breast. The way it showed the shadow of her belly button. Would you believe even Argelum itself got involved? Emin shivered, her skin goose-bumping. You never told me the planet's voice was so... terrifying? Atalant supplied, the word at the forefront of her thoughts. Emin kissed her on the cheek. Yes. The trees had been practicing here, in the grove, where no one was likely to see. But the trees, it turns out, are about as impatient as you are, Atalant. One of Emmon's eyebrows angled. Can't imagine how that happened. Warmth rose in Atalant's cheeks, again. So while this was all supposed to be a surprise, Emmon directed the last word at the nearest Andel. Some of the trees got a little excited and they thought they'd start producing on the other side of the continent, where you were so worked up this morning. The solitary trees themselves aren't the best at sorting emotions apart. And this? Her voice came out choked, strangled, utterly devoid of breath. Emin brought Atalant's right arm up, straightened her wrist, and placed the tips of her fingers just inside the opening of the bracelet. This, Atalant, is a proposal. It was deadly quiet. There should have been wind blowing through the ravine. There should have been bird calls. There should have been a million fucking trees gently whispering to her all their strafe thoughts. She heard a whooshing sound, moving in time with her erratic heartbeat. But other than that, absolutely nothing else. Would it be all right if I continued? Emin asked, her eyes wide, the faintest hint of a smile on her face. Atalant barely managed to nod. I spent a lot of time thinking about this, Atalant. Emin leaned in and brushed her lips across Atalant's cheek. About how to get Andel trees to produce ancient ceremonial jewelry? Atalant said before she could stop herself. She clapped a hand over her mouth the second the sentence was out. Sorry, she said, her voice muffled. I didn't mean... Emin cut her off with another kiss. This one enfolded Atalant like a tsunami, sweeping her emotions up and bashing them around until the world spun. There was Emin's tongue in her mouth, the tip dancing across her own. There was a hand on her breast, insistent and warm, then the same hand gliding down her flight suit, cupping her possessively between the legs. As quickly as it started, Emin pulled away. Her lips were swollen red, her face blushed almost the same color under her pale skin. No more talking right now, Eld, Emin whispered. Atalant nodded and clasped her hands behind her back. The crew of the Pledge, the Lucidity, are my family. I'd never want to replace any of them. But I like the idea of promises. I never knew my father or my Gato parent, if I had one. My mother never showed me images of either. An image of a baby flashed through Antalant's mind before she could tamp it down, closely followed by a feeling of horror. No, Antalant, Emin chuckled. I'm talking about having a bonded family. You and me to start. Maybe to end. I don't know. We can talk about gatos and kids later. This isn't about that. She pressed the bracelet onto Antelant's wrist. The wood felt warm from Emin's hands. Slightly sticky from the fruit juice, but it fit all the same. I want to begin a familial bond with you, Atalant. A formal, traditional one with all the rights and privileges associated therein. The last part was in the book I read, Emin added. The Andel went to a lot of trouble for tradition. I thought I'd better follow suit. What? 
am I supposed to do? Atalant didn't want to take the bracelet off. That much she knew. It had just enough weight to remind her it was there. Not enough to impede daily life. She liked how it looked. A deep brown against olive skin. She liked how it made her feel. Surprisingly calm. Though nothing had fundamentally changed between them. Is it something you want, too? Atalant's eyes went wide. Of course, I... well... She got to her knees, more awkwardly than necessary, and grabbed one of the fruits. It slipped out of her shaking hands and she scooted after it, the fabric of her flight suit catching on the rough wood of the gazebo and tearing through at her left knee. She grabbed the fruit before it rolled off the edge, smashed it against the end grain of the wood there, tore the skin off, and fished the bracelet out from inside. It glinted weirdly in the light, so Antelant wiped it hastily on her flight suit before standing and moving back to Emin. It's not that I haven't been thinking about it. I have. Maybe not as much as you, because I haven't really worked out mechanics, or... She held the bracelet out while she babbled, paying more attention to the smile creeping up on Emin's face than anything else. When she got the glint again, what she'd at first assumed a trick of the filtered sunlight was not. Of course not. The bracelet Antelant held wasn't brown. It was gold. As gold as her robes. As gold as the inlay on the talent chamber thrones. As gold as the tacky culture that had come in the mess of the lucidity. Why are they not all brown? Atalant asked, deadpan. More to the Andel than to Emin. You're an eld, Atalant. Emin slipped into Atalant's free arm. Atalant reflexively tightened it around Emin's waist. She pressed her fingers into the fabric of Emin's dress, feeling for the raised veins underneath, grounding herself, remembering. Ask me the question. Do they use the word wife on Argelum? Atalant asked. The panic rose again, filling her throat with the light taste of acid. Is that just a Terran common adaptation? Atalant? Emin's left eyebrow arched. Sorry, right, sorry. Atalant chewed on her lower lip for a moment, trying to pull words both smooth and sexy into some semblance of order. She promptly failed. I'm really glad they're not koala collars, and honestly, I don't know how we'd even get them on anyway. And the gold would look really bad on that sort of buff silver fur. But for a bracelet, it's fine, so I'd really like it if you'd be my wife if you wanted to, but only if you wanted to. She fumbled the bracelet onto Emmon's wrist. Her face, she was certain was as red as the inside of a Janyu fruit. Emin clasped her forearm, their bracelets hitting each other with a soft clunk of hard wood. Yes, Atalant. She lilted into Atalant's mind. There was kissing then. So much kissing. Atalant didn't know who started it, and it didn't matter because her flight suit was down around her waist one minute, pulled at her ankles the next. Emin's dress lasted half a minute, at most. They made it to one of the gazebo's benches, Scratchy, the fibers lifting enough to tear skin if the friction wasn't managed just right, before Atalant remembered what had brought her to Thanon in the first place. She turned her head, reluctantly, from the very flush and very naked Emin underneath, her short dark hair fanned around her head, slightly curled, completely enticing. She peeked her head out from under the gazebo roof. The days were short in their new solar system, with where Argelum had positioned itself and the sun had already gone down behind the forest canopy. Light filtered through the leaves and reflected off eyes. Hundreds of pairs of beady black eyes nestled in the upper balls. Watching. Atalant, Emin said with a slight emphasis on the last syllable. Huh? Atalant turned back. Sorry, we still have a... Emin pulled her head back down, moved Atalant's hand between her legs, and gasped as Atalant's stuck turned silken. You're too easily distracted, she said in between gulps of air. My wife needs to focus. Antelant pressed her fingers down, in a very specific place that elicited a very specific response. Don't we need to do something in public now, to make it official? Isn't that how this usually goes? Emin's hand snaked between Antelant's legs as well, tickling its way across the sensitive skin of Antelant's inner thighs, teasing before mimicking the exact movement Antelant had performed on her. Have we ever followed what's usual? Words, Antelant realized, were superfluous, 
and she sucked at them anyway. She decided to focus on the way it felt as her fingers slid inside Emin. The noises Emin made that became truncated when Ancelant resumed kissing her, taking the lead. Maybe there would be more talk, someday, about a gato partner, or children, or maybe leaving Argelum. She wouldn't mind shedding the gold robes. But right now, despite the koalas, and the excessive wooden jewelry, and the soon-to-be rotting fruit, or the likelihood that immigration would go to hell, or Argelin would move, or some real crisis would prior from this spot, this moment, these sensations, Antelant was just really, really happy that Emin was going to be there, with her, through it all. Emin, I... Kiss me, Atalant. You can fail at words later. Atalant, quite happily, shut up. <laughs>